Well, gentlemen, we're back for another year of the Reaching the Summit College Basketball Podcast. It's myself, Todd Buckingham, and joining me, Greg Steeman and Zach Dosh. Welcome. Good evening, everybody. Todd, how's your summer? It was good. I coached a little baseball, uh, 10U baseball. Um, so I, what little hair I had left, I lost, but yeah. <laughs> awesome. Greg, Did yours? You, it, it was good, Zach, and I hope yours was well. And, and you know what? Um, Todd, I hope you didn't lose anybody in the transfer portal after this first season. You got a, you got a 10-year-old in the portal? <laughs> not, not yet. I, not that I knew of. Um, you must have a strong have NIL program. A, yeah, there was a little bit of NIL. The local uh, uh, restaurant had to pay free free meals for the kids <laughs> to stay. But That'll otherwise. work. That'll work. Yeah. 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 Well, if yeah. we could actually start with that, Zach. You, you had talked to us while we were off air, if that's what you call it. Um, about the changes in the in the transfer portal. You want to go through that real quick? Sure, yeah. So the NCAA just kind of tightened up some of the rules uh, around the transfer portal. So it's just not just complete chaos. It's just only complete chaos for 60 days now. So uh, some of the changes to the transfer portal is, uh, so it's open for 60 days uh, starting on Selection Sunday. So when it closes, it almost coincides with, the late signing period and you know really it's meant to just kind of tidy up the whole process and create a little bit more clarity for these coaches and high school seniors too um just so because you know because everything just can't be in flux all the time you know people need information to make decisions and you know uh, there was just a lot of repeat transfers and so that's going to help help clean it up too um also uh there if, if you transfer if you take a transfer you have to guarantee their scholarship until they're uh, after their five years or they graduate. So in other words, if you take a kid as a sophomore transfer, uh, no matter what the situation is, you get, you guarantee his scholarship and it counts against your 13 until he hits the fifth year or he graduates. So in other words, that's meant to kind of tamp down the market a little bit. Like if you're taking a transfer, it has to be a kid that you really want to be have a, be a part of your program. It can't just be, oh, well, we got an extra scholarship, so we'll take a flyer on this. It's really meant to cut down on, you know, we've seen a couple of them. Obviously, some of the examples would be like, like I think Marlon Ruffin, uh, Deshaun Allen-Eikens, Savian Sims, guys who enter the transfer portal, make lateral moves, don't really get traction, and then basically get cut from their, their team after another year. So then they're on their third school in three years, and then the chance of graduating is basically none. And so um, that's something else that they help clear up. Um, uh, and again, and I think you can kind of see it showing up in the way these schools are recruiting, even in the Summit League. Um, everybody wants to talk about transfers, but they're actually not being recruited as much, at least in this conference. Right. Uh, 57% of Division One players that enter the portal have found a new home. So 43% haven't. So tremendous amount of players. Um, you know, you got to balance their right to be able to move with how do you help them make better decisions and create a little bit more clarity for the situation. So those, that's what the NSA did, uh, to kind of clear that up. And, um, so, you know, it's still going to be a part of everything that we talk about going forward, but now it'll at least be more organized. Yeah. A little more organized chaos. And, and I think you hit it on the head. I, and I think what it does, you know, with 43% of the kids in the portal, not finding a home, um, if, if you have to make a long-term commitment to these people, you might even see that number rise a little bit. But the other thing that we might also see is maybe some kids are starting to understand that it, it's not the, the end-all be-all for their, uh, their happiness or, or their, uh, their experience with the program. Maybe they have to put some time into thinking about that. So I, I agree with you, Zach. I think there's a, it, it ends up being, bringing a little bit of order to it, a smaller time frame. And uh, it's still the wild, wild west, but um, it doesn't end up being this nonstop free agency every year. So the NCAA, you know, in, in, in their wisdom, at, at least has found a way to maybe settle some things down here moving forward. Yeah. So, you know, a good example would be in South Dakota State, assuming Baylor Shireman's coming back. Oops, big man got a hold of him. Now he's somebody else is in his ear all of a sudden and he kind of goes quiet with the coaching staff and ends up at creating halfway through the summer you know so mm -hmm. no more of that stuff um you know obviously still a tremendous amount of tampering we can get into that in another episode but you know it, at least it's yeah. at least it's going to be wrapped up by when the signing day should be for the high school seniors so 
both coaches and high school seniors should have more information to help make decisions and, and, um, you know, put themselves in the best spot available to, to have a good career. Well, and I like that the schools are on the hook a little bit. If they, if they take a person, they can't just throw flyers out to 10 kids and just see yeah. who sticks, so to speak. Well, yeah, and I mean, because like like we were talking about, everybody's pointing the finger at these kids. Oh, you're transferring. Oh, you're not being loyal. Things like that. Well, I'd argue there's probably even a little bit more of coaches pushing kids into the portal because it's just like, well, I can I can turn this roster faster. I can kick this kid off the team and then go get a, uh, you know, a, a junior, a senior transfer, maybe a, a par five bounce back or something like that, and. Um, that happens at a lot of schools, not so much in our conference, but it's happening a lot in other places. And so it should clean that up as well. Well, let's talk a little bit of uh, off season news with the summit league. The first kind of talking point is three new, new coaches. And we had an opportunity to interview um, coaches from all three schools uh, coming up on future episodes. We'll have Eric Peterson today, um, but then coming up Crutchfield and, and then uh Esposito from Kansas City, the assistant coach. But uh, Marvin Menzies to Kansas City, Eric Peterson to South Dakota, Chris Crutchfield to Omaha. Um, again, uh, sort of the theme that we saw with some coaching additions in the past seemed like some good additions. Um, you got Crutchfield, who returns as an Omaha grad. Uh, it's too bad, Greg, that you couldn't be on for the interview since you guys uh, crossed paths at Omaha. Um, <laughs> Which which would have been fun, um, but then Coach Menzies five NCAA tournament tournament appearances at New Mexico State, and then uh, Coach Peterson returning to to USD. Anything to add on those three additions? Well, I I, I think um, you know it's it's going to be great to hear from Coach Peterson today. I mean, he's a guy that kind of came back home to USD that really had a lot to do with um, upping their profile when he was there with Coach Smith and. And I think he was welcomed. Uh, I, I thought he did a fantastic job in his introductory press conference. And I think he's going to be a great fit. He's a great, he's a, he's a guy from this area and from this region. And I think he's going to be a great fit for USD. And along those same lines, as you mentioned, Todd, uh, Chris Crutchfield coming back after being, after working with some great people like Lon Kruger at Oklahoma and Dane Allman at Oregon and, and, and just some, some quality people. He's going to bring a, a, a wealth of experience back to his alma mater. And uh, I think he's going to be a, a heck of an addition. And you, and you talked about Coach Menzies. His resume speaks for itself. So I think people in this region understand that, you know what, the Summit League, the Summit League attracts talent. It attracts talented players. It attracts talented coaches. And we're all better off for it as college basketball fans. Yeah, all three of these guys are extremely highly qualified and accomplished and connected. I mean, they, they all have pretty extensive resumes. And it's it's an interesting time to be an athletic director because, you know, we were kind of bemoaning the fact that, you know, Darren Hansen getting fired last year, you know, after having a down year, you know, some transfers factor and things like that, you know. But on the other hand, you also have guys like Coach Crushfield available that want to come back. And it's, you kind of look at his resume and it's just like, man, that is hard to turn away, too. Some of the things he's accomplished is is, is really special. And so. It's a it, it's a tough deal out there for some coaches because there is only becoming more and more highly highly qualified highly capable coaches for just very very few spots, and so um, you know Coach Peterson talks a little bit about it in his interview, but um, it, it's interesting. But these guys, I mean, if you're a fan of these programs, you have to be pretty happy about the leadership of your program because you know there's nothing that they haven't seen. And so it's just a matter of getting the right players in the right spots. Well, and the other offseason news I wanted to hit on, and we could talk about the players that left through the portal or, or, or otherwise, but I did want to hit real quick on just some big names that are returning. You got Max Asmus for his senior season, uh, fourth fourth year in the Summit League, former player of the year returning. Then you got Trent Masner uh, returning with, with Western Illinois on the all-defense and second team last year. Um other than that, we're going to see a, a, a decent amount of, of new faces. Other, and then USD has some returners, but we're going to talk USD next. Um, I guess maybe there's not much of a question, but just Max Asmus returning, I, I, I guess I would want to get out and see him play if I haven't had a chance to do that. We may not have a guy back for his fourth year that's done the things that Max has done in the league 
for a very long time with the portal and other things that happen. Yeah, he's he's going to be as accomplished of a player as there's going to be in the Summit League because you're right. If a player has his stat line and they're six four or six five, they're playing for anybody. And don't get me wrong, Max could still have transferred and probably played for anybody, but he's just a really special kid that really values the degree he's getting and loves his university. I mean, he's everything that's right about college basketball. Great kid. I mean, he's just he's just a special special kid, and it goes way beyond his talent. And I think the thing about his team that really stands out to me this year is they have the consistency. They have the consistency that South Dakota State and NDSU had last year, and that's what wins in this conference. They're experienced. They're talented. I mean, they are they are by far the number one team preseason-wise for me this year. Well, and, and I'm in agreement with you about Max. I mean, he is unique. I, I guess I now have a little more vested interest in ORU with my daughter being a freshman down in, <laughs> in Tulsa. And I, what I can tell you is that when uh, her and I did go on the campus visit, um, Max was probably doing pretty well from an NIL standpoint, just walking through that uh, college bookstore because there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of garb. Uh, with mid-court max on it and things like that, and, and you know, and good for him. Uh, in, in this, you know, we alluded to it earlier in this, in this day and age of of going and finding the next best, the next shiny object in your career. Max has stayed there through the entirety of his, and the league is better for it. ORU is certainly better for it, and I, I don't disagree with you, um, uh, Zach. I, I think ORU probably has to be the the favorite heading into things, at least on paper, and we all know what that's worth, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what I wanted to do for these first few episodes is, is break down a couple of teams, maybe three teams in each episode. And since we're going to play the interview with uh, Coach Peterson today, I thought we'd start with South Dakota and spend about 10 minutes per team, if maybe a little less, depending on wh- what we have to talk about. Um, with South Dakota and with uh, Coach Peterson coming in as a new coach, uh, somewhat odd thing happened a lot of the players are back which is not what you usually see with a new coach and especially in today's day and age um one of the things that i think is is a really interesting top topic is aj plitz away returning from injury what do you think we'll see from him or do we just not know right now well i i'll jump in quick i i mean i i was as high on aj at the end of his you know when, when he went down with that knee injury and what he had done for his team that season I don't think anybody saw that coming that that year, and and so we all know what he's capable of, and and he's had plenty of time to recover. I think it's going to be you know important for him to get out there and gain the confidence in his knee and things along those lines. But his playmaking ability, his his ability to to improve the level of play of his teammates, and at the same time be so explosive and, and productive as as a player that he was for USD during his time. They've just got to be ecstatic to have him back. And then I, I just think USD is so unique in that when you look at the strength of their team, you, you look at their perimeter players, you know, with Cruz Barrel Hunt, with Archambault, and, and also with the, the transfer from UND. I mean, the, the, those are four impressive perimeter players. And I don't know that there's a, a better combination of four perimeter players in the league than those four that Eric Peterson has in his initial year. So it's going to be really intriguing to watch how he plays them, to watch how, you know, the type different types of lineups that he's able to throw out there. But uh, put it this way, count me as one guy that, that hopes A.J. Plitzaway comes back at 100% of what he was and then hopefully a year of growth and, and maturation because uh, he can really have a, a heck of an impact on that squad. Yeah, just to kind of remind everybody, so what he did with his knee, it wasn't like a torn ACL. It was closer to something that would happen in like a car crash. And so it just incredibly traumatic. Coach Peterson talks about it a little bit. He's uh, cleared. He's practicing. Uh, some days are better than others. But, I mean, you know, who doesn't have some days that are better than others? Um, but I think the thing that what gives me the biggest hope for him is that what made him such a great player, it was not his athleticism. That's not to say that he's not athletic, but his ability to kind of change speeds and use his body and read screens and just sort of play basketball was really more of his strength than anything else. And so if he's, if he has lost like a half a step, which who knows, 
I don't think that would affect him as much as it would some other guards who rely on their speed to get past defenders. That's not necessarily what he is. And he's also going to be playing with some guards that can handle the ball and, and really kind of carry some of the weight. And so he doesn't have the focus of the offense on him at all times. And, you know, teams aren't going to be able to help off of anybody. So he's going to have more success with that. And if they do, obviously he's going to find them. And so I think their group there is not only are they extremely uh, skilled, but they are as smart as any backcourt. And that's extremely difficult to guard. I mean, any defense is predicated on sort of giving something up to take something away. And you can't give anything up against them because they'll find it and take advantage of it. And so I, I just really, you know, again, like we talked about with Earl Roberts, continuity, consistency, carrying through and experience. South Dakota has that too. I don't know, Todd, you're saying you had him ranked for a fourth in the preseason, right? Yeah. Yep. And you I, took some heat too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't I, put the coyotes first, you get some heat from coyotes. I know. Yeah. I know. But, but well, by, I, by the way, I, I'm probably closer to second or third. Sure. But, but, to, your um, point, but to your point, Zach, it's, it's a great point. Blitzel White wasn't great because of, his, because of his athleticism, even though he had possessed a high level of it. He's a high IQ player. Uh, the kid knows mm-hmm. what to do, and there's, there's there's a reason his his mom moved on from USD and is now coaching in West Virginia. Uh, he grew up in a basketball family, and and you can see it when when he plays. And I'm I'm excited to see him back on the floor. Well, and and I think the reason you'd put them second is the backcourt. I mean, that's that, and maybe not the best backcourt in the summit. I think them and Oral Roberts could have an argument there, but certainly right there. When you've got Paul Bruns, who was freshman of the year last year playing at North Dakota, that and he might be their fourth more, most productive guard this season. Yeah. Like I mean that yeah. I'm not saying he will be, but it's possible. No. That's that's right. a possible uh, thing that happens, and so that's a pretty deep backcourt. The, the, what I will ask, though, what what about the front court? Like that, that's where I would move, move them down just a little bit. You've got Tassos returning, but then a lot of guys um, that are new, trying to fit new roles, and it wasn't their their strong biggest strength of the team last year either. But other teams have brought in some size. Will the front court be able to hold up? You know, I mean, I I think a big part about this is. Okay, so everybody knows Tassel's Comenteros, right? He's an own quantity. He, he can play. He's extremely efficient. Coach Peterson talks about him quite a bit. Uh, he also talks about Mihai Karkawana. Did I, sign, did I say that right? I think so. You Karkawana. may have. That, that's yeah. one of the biggest wins of the podcast so far. Nice job. Unbelievable. Sir. Unbelievable. I, I left it for you. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. But, you know, apparently they're extremely high on him, and he's 6'11". So I got to believe that they stand a good chance. I also think a part of this equation is – no Rocky Cruiser, no Douglas Wilson. A lot of these, you know, nobody from Western Illinois. I mean, they're, they're, a lot of these good post players has moved on. Now, Grant Nelson's still out there, and I don't know what you call him. Do you call him a post player? Do you call him a wing? I don't know. You call him a unicorn, whatever. But it, it's South Dakota, they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Their front court's going to be fine. I have zero issues about it, zero concerns, um, because I know they're good, and I know that, the rest of the league has probably softened up a tad in the front court. I think, I think it's a good point. And, and I think coach, coach Peterson, that's the one thing he does, you know, in addition to Tassos, they can throw length out there and, and they can have some rim protection and they can allow, you know, those perimeters to, to use their, use their head, not get themselves in foul trouble, but still maybe pressure a little bit, get after some people and, and, and force, you know, um, some people into some bad decisions. So I, I think he's going to, I have to say, as a new coach stepping into a program in the Summit League, he's probably blessed with as much experience and experience at the right spot uh, as any coach in the league. And I do think USD is going to be extremely competitive. I think they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to believe that they're going to contend for a Summit League championship. And and to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to say that they 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 don't have the ability to contend because they do have some length, even though there's maybe a, a, a not as much experience with their bigs. I think. Having great guard play allows you to not have to count on the bigs for a ton of production. But you know what? Be in the right spot defensively, help out the right way. And, and I, I think it just allows them 
the opportunity to grow in the Coach Peterson system. And so without question, they're, they're, they're going to be well prepared. And, and I think they've got enough bodies to, uh, to combat any concerns about, hey, what, what might their weaknesses be? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I, I predict there's going to be a whole lot of nights where Tassos has an easy 15 points because he understands how to move with these guards and where to put himself on the floor. And he's a recipient of his defender helping off of him. And he hits little jumpers or threes or finishes around the hoop just by catching and finishing um, because these guards are going to find him. They're going to find him. They trust him. He's a good finisher. He's going to be a recipient of that good guard play like you've been talking about, Greg. I agree with you, Zach. I think he's going to have a, a heck of a season because of because of the experience around him. Well, and very rarely, in fact, maybe never, has a team entered a season with a former first-team guard, two former second-team guards in Cruz Perro-Hunt and Mason Archambault, and a former freshman of the year in the backcourt. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certainly a lot of talent there. Yeah, yeah and, and they lost Xavier Fuller. Xavier Fuller, Boogie Anderson, and Hunter Goodrick, guys that probably would have played, and Nikola Zizic, actually. But I don't know that they're going to be missed a whole lot. I hate to say that. You know, they're, they're nice players. Like I said, they probably would have earned some time. But, man, it's, it's crowded in that rotation. They're not going to play nine guys. No, I agree. And, and, and the other guy that Eric alluded to, and, and you guys will hear in the interview, is – Damani Hayes, I think he's extremely high on him. I think Damani Hayes is, is an experienced player. He did some really good things for them last year, and Eric sees a ton of good in him. I think his versatility, his ability to play anything from two through four if he needs to, uh, even defend as an undersized five, I think he's the guy that that could be the glue to this team and do a lot of the uh, things that maybe don't show up in the box score but allow them to find a way to to sneak two or three extra wins out this conference season. Yeah, good point. Well, I mean, you you just brought it up. So why don't we go to the interview with Coach Peterson, and then we'll jump back in with a couple other team previews after that. Hi, everybody. We're back, the Reaching the Summit podcast, and our coaches' interviews to start off our new season of the podcast. And we always like to start out with our newer coaches in the league and just kind of introduce you to the, to the coaches that you maybe haven't had a chance. Um, So with us today, Eric Peterson from South Dakota, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me guys. Absolutely. And you're not as unfamiliar as some of the newer coaches um, would be, or you spent time in Vermilion not that long ago. Uh, What's it like as a new coach? Does it help that you know the area, maybe the recruiting area a little bit? Does that help you get going faster Definitely a thousand percent. Um, you know, people ask me just being back, what was it like? And I, I think in the first week, it just felt normal because I'd lived here for four years. Um, obviously I'd been gone for four. I was in Utah. I was at Utah state for three and Utah for one. Um, uh, but it's everything. It's not just basketball. It's being in a community that, you know, people, um, you know, the boosters, you have friends here. You're very familiar with everybody that, um, works at South Dakota. And that was the the cool part about the press conference. It was like, I was just in a, a room with a bunch of my former coworkers who are a lot of them are my friends and just kind of, I didn't feel like a press conference. I was just talking to a group that I had already known. So um, yeah, I think, you know, that piece is, was, was an easy transition. Um, it's always a little bit harder when you come back and you haven't coached any of the players, right? Uh, I don't think anybody on our roster I, I had previously coached. Um, Hunter Goodrick was a kid that I had recruited when I was at South Dakota and obviously left. And the new staff took over and got him, got him to South Dakota. But that was only one I really had um, that was super familiar with AJ a little bit, just being in town um, and excited to coach him. But, you know, it, it was just different. You know, you have a whole new team. Um, you know, one of the hardest parts for me is the higher you go and then dropping down. It's just everything's a lot different. I would say there's more skill at this level. So just how are we changing things that we've done in the past to fit more so our guys here in the summit league. Uh, but I'm excited to be back. This is a place that, you know, I wouldn't have taken any job. Uh, there were some opportunities before and I didn't feel like they were the right fit, but you know, my family really likes it here in Vermilion. Uh, it's a place that we have been, it's a place that we have won at and it's, I want to come back if I didn't feel like it was a place that we could, uh, win another conference championship and potentially make the NCAA tournament. So, uh, the transition has been smooth. Uh, the recruiting thing has been easy as well. Uh, we've, we've gotten three early commits 
who I can't talk about right now, but it just it's more familiar when you've recruited this area and you know what to sell at South Dakota. You're not a new coach coming on campus, you know, walking around wondering where the business building is or, you know, the ins and outs. Um, our facility here is a few years old, but it's it's part of something that we had our hands in designing too. Um, I think it was built that we moved in year three of four for us the first time we were here. So um, a lot of the stuff we picked out, which is great. So it's it's been really good to be back. Uh, familiar, great friends, uh, great people here at South Dakota, and it's a place that I know we can win. Eric, um, Greg Steeman here, and and uh, I, you know, just to tag on to, to Todd's question, you know, you're familiar with Vermillion, you're familiar with USD, but the other thing that I think has to be appealing to you is you're also familiar with what it takes to be successful in the Summit League, the type of teams that you've got to be able to put together and the style of play. And I know some of the coaches have changed. I mean, you might be, see some different styles, but but just the league itself, you, you know the, you know what it takes to be successful. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and that's that's been the the cool part about recruiting is already being in the league. So just having a better feel. I think when I first took the job at South Dakota, coming from a junior college, you you're still trying to you're watching the stuff on film. And film is never exactly the same as it plays out in a game, or you just don't get as good a feel. Just like recruiting a player watching them on film or watching them live. So that's been the good part for me is being through the league for four years. Um, I know what it's like. The, the skill level is tremendous in the Summit League. You know, you look at the percentages and I think the Summit League is one of the top three-point shooting leagues in the country every single year. Um, you look at just some offensive stuff like South Dakota State and Oral Roberts were phenomenal when you look at the statistics offensively last year. And there's some other teams, like I think we have five teams in the top 50 in three-point field goal percentage. So I know we need skilled players, and that was definitely obvious, you know, when, when I got hired. Um, you know, the Mountain West is a little bit different. You, it's a different level. Um, it's a different type of league, and I think that's the cool part when you look at different leagues in the country, but that's that's a main reason why I felt uh, comfortable coming back because I think we can get it going here right away and kind of build off uh, what we had going before. So, um, really, you know, a really good league. I think it's getting better. Um, you look, there's a couple new coaches in the league, uh, UMKC Marvin, we coach against Marvin at, at Utah state when he was at UNLV and then crutch was at Oregon last year in the PAC 12. And so was I, so I know those two guys are going to do a good job and our league is going to keep getting better. I think Denver's a team that's going to improve. Uh, I think Western Illinois has gotten better. Um, you know, the, the three main teams, Oral Roberts, South Dakota state and NDSU have always been good. Um, so I think, I think our league's going to get better. And honestly, um, I think our new commissioner, um, Josh, has done a really, really good job just getting organized with men's basketball and scheduling pieces, something that's really important to him as well. And I've been on a lot of calls with him uh, about scheduling over Zoom. And I think I think he's going to be really, really good for our league. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about it, being familiar with it. The recruiting piece comes a little bit more natural when you've been through the league. And um, the same thing, you just you know what to sell. Um, a lot of players that transfer when I asked them why they transferred, um, a lot of them just didn't understand the style of play or they went to the wrong league. Like maybe they're not super athletic, but they go to a really athletic league and they don't fit in. So being able to sell players on our league that are great fits for how we want to play in our league is obviously crucial in recruiting. Nice. Eric, you talked about um, skilled players and in a, you're in a unique position for a, for a new coach. Cause typically when we're talking to new coaches, we, we don't have much to, you know, we don't have much to refer to because the roster, there's such big roster turnover. Um, you don't have that nearly as much. In fact, if you count AJ as, as a potential one of your top scorers, even though he didn't play last year, he certainly was, was two years ago. You, you returned four top end scorers from, from last year's team with him, Mason, um, Cruz, Tassos. And then you have Damani, you know, adding in all these veteran returners, it, was that kind of a big push for you when you got the job to try to see if we could get these players back and, and start off on running kind of? Yeah, definitely. I, I got some good experience the last two jobs I was at, and it was completely different. We go to Utah State, and our main thing was to try to keep the core group of guys together. And we we felt like if we did and we added a couple of pieces, we could be competitive right away. And we were picked ninth in the league out of 11 teams, and we won the Mountain West for the first time in school history. And yeah most of it was keeping that core group of guys together. Um, then we go to Utah and we return four players off the previous, you know, year's team. 
And I think one of them was one of the guys that actually played. And so we didn't have a core and we brought in nine new guys. And in this day and age, bringing in nine new guys, the hard part is everybody thinks they're going to play, right? You bring them in, they want to play. It's the highest level. They're competitive. Well, we weren't great at Utah last year. We lost a lot of close games. Obviously there were some injuries and whatnot, but my point is the, the more guys you can keep on your roster when you take a job, the more competitive you can be right away. It's, it's, it's simple like that, right? As long as they're the right players. So, you know, when I got the job, meeting with Cruz right away was really, really important. And Cruz is still a guy that went in the transfer portal and visited a couple of different schools. And I was okay with that because Cruz didn't know me. And that was his right to do, to go check out some other schools. But ultimately he felt like this was the best place for him. Mason was the same way. Mason was in the portal. And, you know, when I met, sat down with him the first time, Mason's like, coach, this is my dream school. And I'm like, well, why are you leaving? He didn't know, you know, it's it, the portal thing is so new to everybody that um, I just want to explore it and see what's out there. And, you know, he came back and I think it helped Tassos make a decision like this is the right place for me. And obviously AJ was battling through um, his injury and didn't play last year, didn't practice, was finally cleared in the spring. And we, we were bringing him slow. Like we didn't have him do a lot of contact stuff. Um, summer, some days were really good. Some days were not so good. Um, and he's getting better every single day. I, I texted him the other day. I thought he had his best practice that I, since I've been here. Um, and then Damani is a guy that people forget about. Um, but Damani is like the ultimate, I call it Gata. Um, and that's kind of what our deal is. Uh, we had the first time we were here. Gata means get after their butts. Um, and Damani's like, ass on the podcast. okay, <laughs> get after their ass. And Damani, you've been is, called that a couple times. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah try to figure it out still, boys. Um, no, but so Damani's Damani's the epitome of Gata. And, you know, I thought this summer I told our team this, he was the most productive guy on our team outside of scoring. And teams need that. Um, we had a kid like that at Utah State named Justin Bean, who I th thought he was one of the main reasons why we were so good. He was our best rebounder. Uh, didn't really run many plays for him, but set a ton of screens and like call him screen assists where he gets an assist based on the screen he sets. So you, when you have a bunch of talent and some all league guys like that, Damani's so crucial because you need a guy that doesn't care about that stuff. And um, then you add, you know, uh, Paul Brunson, who had a very good freshman year at North Dakota. So you're almost adding uh, five all league players back to that mix. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that those guys came back. I think, you know, we have some good pieces around them. Uh, so we have a good mix of returners, but we also have 10 freshmen and sophomores on our roster as well. So that'll be the interesting piece, mixing those guys in to the experience. You know, I, um, I do some games in the league and, and about 20% of what I say during a game is accurate. But one of the things I strongly believe in is if you have good guard play, it elevates everybody's level of play. Uh, and I've always said poor guard play can make good bigs average and, and, and good guard play can make average, average players, average teammates high level. I mean, when you, when I look at Clips White, um, Cruz and, and Archambault, and, and then you throw Bruns in the mix, you've got four of probably the, the, the most skilled perimeter players that the, the league is going to have this year, just from a, the variety of things that they can do, decision-making, the ability to knock down shots, and actually the ability to be very good defensively. It's got to be a, a nice security blanket for you walking into that experienced group of perimeter players that you've got. Yeah, those are four really good players. And, you know, I think we have some other really good players on our team too to complement them. But like you said, guards, guards do win games. Um, I do think you need a good big to make a run, like a deep run in the tournament or to win the league too. Um, when we were here the first time, we had Tyler Flack and Tyler Hagedorn were our two bigs. And those guys obviously were both really good players playing at a high level professionally. So um, no, I like our guards. You know, it's different. We're going to play differently. Um, you know, I think the last few years they were running a set almost every single time down. There was a whiteboard and they're all looking, looking at the board for a set. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not how we're going to play. I think we're going to play more free. We're going to play a little bit faster. And I think our, our concentration this summer, Greg, was how do we teach these guys how to play so they're not kind of robotic, right? Um, just giving them more freedom, obviously giving them some rules so it's not like open gym, but just giving them different alignments and then teaching them how to read screens, how to play um, and play together. And that's that's the hardest part when you have all those guys that have been all league, can they play on the same team? Can they play together? And are they going to make the right play every single time? And that's what we have to keep rewarding at practice, guys that make the right play. Because 
you, you know as well as I do, you've probably seen these guys play more than me. You know, Cruz can go get a bucket probably whenever he wants. Mason's a very good player. AJ, the run he was having before he got hurt, I mean, him and Max were kind of right there for two of the best players in the league. I bought him um, player of the year that year. I thought his <laughs> impact on USD was at a at a completely different level. And, and that's to take nothing away from yeah. the other really good players in the league. So I think you made a great point. Yeah. So it's 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 trying to get these guys to come together because you know, collectively, I think we could be very, very good if we always make the right play. But somebody something has to give. You know, maybe AJ doesn't average 19 a game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Cruz doesn't average 15 a game. Um, some games that might be different. Maybe Mason's our leading scorer and AJ has 10 points. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but we got to be willing to just make the right play and give the ball to the guy that's open because we have such good guards. Yeah, we talked a lot about the guards and, and we all know Tasso's returning down low, um, although he's pretty darn for proficient outside as well. Um, even though I didn't give him credit for that till about 80% of the season was over last year. Um, and, and then, but who helps Tassos down low this season? Do you think? Yeah. So real quick about Tassos, you know, you see this, his stats, you see he's an all league player and you get to the first practice and um, Tassos will tell you, we sit in the office, like he's, he's probably one of the most efficient players that we've had throughout the summer and the fall. Um, he can score on the block. If you don't double him, he just kind of backs you down and he might take eight seconds to score, but he is going to score on you. And then if you double him, he's such a good passer. He just finds the open guys and you got very good shooters on the perimeter. And then if, if he picks and pops, he's super efficient shooting the ball, but he's not like super athletic. He's not really fast or quick twitch. So I'm kind of just watching him. And it's, that's the difference in levels. The guys that we had at Utah and Utah state, our, our center at Utah state was an early second round draft pick. And I'm watching Tassos and, He's, he maybe is more efficient, but just doesn't have those other things that Nimiya Shikeda had, who's with the Kings now. So that's been the cool part. But I do think Tassos fits us. But other guys that will play inside, you know, Mihai Karkona uh, is from Romania. And he's a guy that... Um, I don't have to I, ask that question now on how to pronounce it. So. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a guy that I actually recruited at Utah State and saw him play live in Romania and recruited him and it was just it was so hard to recruit bigs at utah state because our center was so good and every time he decided to come back and not go to the nba the other guys were like well he's playing 33 to 35 minutes a game like why am i coming so uh anyways we ended up going to utah so we stopped recruiting mihai and he went to toledo and was the backup center at toledo last year he's he's a legit 6'10 in probably about 255 pounds um he's physical he he's skilled. He can shoot it. He can pass it. He can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, talking to the Toledo staff, they, they tried to get him back. They wanted him back. And um, but he knew that the starting center was coming back as well. So he just wanted to find a better fit. And I had a great relationship with him. Uh, met his parents, a um, great family, and just figured this would be a place that he can develop a little bit more and have a chance to play. So I would say Damani could play some five as well. He can play the four and the five. Damani's a tough guy. Like everybody knows he's probably six, four. I don't know if they list him at six, five, but he's probably six, three, six, four. Um, but just a tough, tough dude. And then uh, another guy that uh, we took late, we actually have uh, five freshmen in our program and four of them we took late. Uh, Miles Branch was at IMG Academy. And uh, if you know Miles, his dad, Marvin played at Kansas. So some ties to the area. Uh, but Miles has a chance to be good. I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be as a true freshman, but he's, his body's there already. He's super skilled. Um, it's just, you know, can he can he overcome the experienced guys ahead of him? So I like our depth in there. Um, you know, Tassos and Mihai just having Division One experience, and Damani doesn't care where he plays. He'll play anywhere on the floor. The uh, what one other thing for me, and then I'll let Greg go. So South Dakota fans are pretty excited. Um, I, I, I picked you guys fourth in my very early predictions and they, I mean, they never agree with my predictions, That's but okay. unless I put uh, the coyotes first, but, uh, but, uh, they, they, they're pretty high on you guys. Any reasons that we haven't talked about already that they should be excited? You know, I think, um, I think they're excited because in, in the longer I do this, the more I realize having players that they can relate to. Um, you know, blue collar guys that are going to work hard. And that's kind of the mentality that we brought the first time we were here, um, trying to be the toughest team. If you look at over the last 10 years, um, 
every team that was one or two defensively in the league has made the NCAA tournament with the exception of one year. And that was the COVID year when Oral Roberts made it. I think they were fourth defensively. So um, I know we're talking a lot about offense, but we don't talk a lot about offense at practice. <laughs> we talk about the toughness things. We talk about getting back on defense. We talk about being great in ball screen defense. We talk about guarding the ball and just being textbook at the defensive stuff. Cause we don't have, we don't have a, a seven foot rim protector. Um, you know, if we get blown by, they're going to be at the rim blocking shots. We don't have that. We're a little bit smaller and we have to be that much better defensively to get to where we want to go. So uh, I think our fans are probably excited about that piece where we were the best defensive team in the league and we're trying to bring that back. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball, but that's our goal in year one is to like, we'll figure the offensive stuff out, but if we can be one of the best defensive teams in the league, we'll get to where we want to go. So I think that, I think the other piece is just when I talk about relatable players, we have South Dakota kids on our roster. You know, AJ's coming back. You know, like I talked about Mason said, it's his dream school. Paul Bruns is from Dakota Valley. Um, having, having local guys that are good enough to play meaningful minutes for you, that gets the fan base excited. Now we're going to have some other guys, like we got guys from all over the world, but but as a local fan, when you don't have any of those, I just don't know how how they relate to your team, if that makes sense. Um, and we'll do some stuff where we get in the community, obviously, and, and connect with them. But uh, those local guys are crucial to getting your fan base going. And um, I think just the other part we talked about is just having all, all those returners come back that have been here for a few years that are relatable to them. So um, I don't know. I'm excited to be back. Um, I think just connecting with the community, it's a small town, it's a small community and just, you know, being around here and just talking to people about our team, they almost feel like they're part of it. So that's what I would say, but um, I don't know, maybe we can bring them on and do some Q and A's with them. Hey, hey tr trust me, Eric, um, as long as you stay in coaching and I hope it's a long, long time uh, talking about defense. I love it. If you ever have to jump into the media where I'm at, I'm still the idiot that talks about defense because I'm not very bright. And they just get tired of it because I see the same thing <laughs> over and over and over. But yeah. you know what that's about. If you're going to be a great defensive team, you got to fall in love with boring and, and things like that. I just I love hearing about your guys. I love hearing about your approach. And and I just want to say welcome back, to be honest yeah. with you. I think you're a fantastic addition or a, or a re-addition to the Summer League. And I wish you nothing but the best down there this season. I appreciate that. And for the record, when I was at Williston State, I talked to Coach Steeman about his grad assistant job. Do you remember that? Way <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Biggs was yeah. your assistant coach. Yeah. I remember. I'll never forget where I was at. I was sitting in the top row at Williston State talking to Brad Bigler. Brad was selling me like crazy to come be the grad <laughs> assistant um, at, uh, at Southwest Minnesota State. And obviously, I've always followed you since then. And it, it, didn't, it didn't quite work out. Uh, Williston State came back and offered me a a full-time job, which was huge. It was the first full-time job I had, but um, always been a huge fan and obviously do great work. Well, it's nice you to say, Eric. We're just we're ecstatic to have you back. And I hope we can have you back on the podcast sometime here as well. Anytime. You let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you, Eric, for joining us. Um, we, Like we said, we just want to get as many coaches on as we can and keep highlighting the league as much as we can, and we're excited. The additions, we've talked about this time and time again on the podcast. What is making the league stronger and stronger is the coach, coaching hires that they that, that have been made throughout the league just keep making teams stronger. And so um, we're excited to have you and, and excited to watch what the Coyotes do this year. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Greg. Go Yotes. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, great interview with coach Peterson was, was a, was a blast just to, to get a chance to meet him and, and talk about the excitement. And we might've even mentioned that I picked them fourth and that, that <laughs> I've been proven wrong at some point, which is perfectly fine. I, if I pick you fourth and you finish first, I'm happy you finished first, no matter who you are. So if, um, if the season's not here, you have a chance to change your mind. Right. That's true. And usually that's the, see, the good news is by the time we hit the beginning of November, I will have predicted about eight different ways. And then you just pick the one that's closest. Right. By exactly. The, you delete yeah. the old tweets and you just, yeah, look, look at me. Credit to myself. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I might not even delete the old tweets. If we get to the point where people are saving my tweets just so they can tell me later, that's a good thing, I think. But uh, <laughs> Well, you're yeah. at that status level now, Tom, right, and, right. and you should be. And, you know, that's the great thing about us doing this podcast. Um, one thing we can always say is, you know what? I changed my mind. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I mean, let's be honest with some of the teams that we might predict towards the bottom. We just because we don't know with with the players coming in. So, yeah, it's 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 certainly at best an educated guessing game. Mm-hmm. So let's go on to our next preview. We're going to talk about the North Dakota State Bison. And, uh, you know, I predicted them to finish third in the first time I put this together. But if you look on paper, there's a lot of production gone. The reason I would pick them third right now is just because of past history and the ability to replace. But you've got pretty key losses in Sam Griesel, Rocky Cruiser, Tyree Eady, three veteran leaders all gone. Who Do you guys have any players that you think step up in their absence? Well, just to kind of uh, summarize what you're saying there, so Rocky Cruiser graduated playing professionally, Sam Griesel at Nebraska, Tyree Eady at North Texas, Jarius Cook at Jacksonville, Malik Harden-Hayes was at UMKC, now uh, at UMC Wilmington, Willie Guy, Angelo State. So there's all your production you're talking about, and only one guy graduated. And so not that I want this to happen to anybody, but I think it's pretty apparent that these transfers happen to everybody. So it doesn't matter the culture. It doesn't matter anything. Nobody's, it's just, it's just, that's just the state of of college basketball right now. But to answer your question, is Grant Nelson unleashed? He is unleashed. I always felt like he was kind of walking on eggshells because Rocky Cruiser's there and he didn't have a whole lot of sets ran for him unless it was the end of the shot clock or the end of the half or something. Then they would go to Grant Nelson. But he is unleashed, and he is going to be the focal point of the offense, and he is going to be – I mean, here's a guy that could have transferred to anywhere and gotten a million bucks NIL. No no doubt in my mind. I'm not – that's not hyperbole. He could be starting for any for 99.99% of schools out there and made a whole bunch of money, and no question everybody was in his DMs. But he's a guy kind of like Max Asmus. He really loves NDSU. And he really wants the opportunity to be the man and lead this program. And unlike most kids, you know, NDSU has to recruit kids from everywhere, right? The name on the front of his jersey, it doesn't really matter to a lot of the kids that they have to recruit, you know? It matters to him, and it matters to Bowden Scunberg. And now they're the leaders. So to have two guys from the state of North Dakota leading the Bison is extremely special. And I can't wait to see what they do with this opportunity. Because... He is a matchup nightmare for anybody. There's nobody in the conference that can match up with him. Uh, feel pretty comfortable saying that. I don't even have to give myself the normal 10 qualifiers that I usually add to things, but it, that, that, that's just not the case with him. And so I'm curious to see what he is going to be like as the focal point of the offense, the defense, and as the leader of this program. And Bowen Scumberg will be right there too, stepping into a big role. But beyond that, um, there's some question marks they've never had these types of question marks before they've they've pride themselves on recruiting high character and high caliber seniors they put them into the program they let the culture take over and by the time that they're redshirt you know sophomores or juniors they're ready to compete for a conference championship like their predecessor was they don't necessarily have that now they've had to dip into the portal they've had to kind of dip into the junior college route they've kind of had to sort of piece it together and they've never really had to do this before on the fly. And I think the physical profile of this team is going to be a little different than an average NDSU team. They're used to having all these big physical six, six point guards, you know, six, seven wings. That's just not where they're at right now. Right. And Desmond McKinney is maybe six feet tall and he's coming back, coming off an ACL too. And so they're going to have to play a little bit differently, but they have, you know, if Max Asmus is the player of the year, Grant Nelson's right behind him. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because they've hit, they affect the game. Grant may affect the game in more ways than Max. And he might. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm going to try not to repeat a lot of the great points you made. The one thing I'm going to say is, you know, we talked about the new coaches coming into the league. Let's not forget Dave Richmond has been at NDSU for a while, and, and he kind of knows what he's looking for. He knows what he want, wants to get to. They're, NDSU, I know some people will go, God darn it, they're not as good in the pre-conference as they should be. But Dave Richmond also knows what the final goal is, is to be playing very well uh, when they get to Sioux Falls. When you talk about uh, Grant Nelson, um, I 
I, I'm not going to reiterate all the points you made. I mean, he's a special player without question. I had a chance to watch him work out. And, um, the, the group is is physically, they, they look a little bit different than last year. Some of those players we're talking about, Grant Nelson, you know, probably a little over 240 right now at 6'11", and, and as skilled as, there any, as, as anybody in the league. Um, Andrew Morgan, kid looks really, really good. I mean, the kid is, you know, you, you watch him play out there and you go, yep, I, I get why Iowa offered him. Um, uh, Bowden Scumberg looks good, looks better physically. Um, I think is, is going to be his role uh, as far as being that guy. You know, we talk about, you know, what Damani can bring to USD. Bowden Scumberg is going to be that that little thing guy on the floor, that, that glue guy that does a little bit of everything. He's he's earned his stripes as, a, as an excellent defender in the Summit League. And and then, as you said, they, they didn't jump into the portal as much as a lot of other teams did. You know, they took the D3 point guard Yoder, who is going to be steady, solid, do what Dave Richmond wants him to do. The one thing about it is um, to Javis Miller, which I think they call him Javis, he's, he is, I think Andrew Morgan was the highest rated recruit they've ever had um, until Javis Miller came in from Lowe, Texas. And, uh, you know, when he's healthy, I think he's going to bring a ton to the floor as a, as a true freshman for Dave Richmond in this, in this group. And they do have some other bigger bodies. You know, the uh, uh, Hastrader kid from out of Lincoln, you know, has shown the ability to, he has no fear. He's a kid that's a very versatile player for him. They've got some addition, you know, and, and Strait's back as well, or Strait. I'm, I apologize if I mispronounce his name. He had some key minutes last year, but he's another big body they can throw out there. And I think a lot of it, so much of it is going to depend on the development of their perimeter guys. We talk about USD with their incredible experience with numerous perimeter players. NDSU is going to have to build that throughout the course of the season. Um, Jakari White is, is, is the JUCO transfer, uh, a kid that you know can defend multiple positions, really loves to get up into people, but he's still on that learning curve as well. And I just I think Dave Richmond is, is going to do what Dave Richmond has always found a way to do is is find out who his eight or nine guys are that he can really count on. And I think this might be a, a year as much as any where Dave Richmond's, you know, influence on, on the success of this program is, is going to be extremely vital. And, and you talked about it, Zach. How much does Dave Richmond turn Grant Nelson loose? That's not in Dave Richmond's DNA. You know, let's be honest. You know, as good a player as he's had, he, he probably turned Sam Greasel loose as much as anybody. And I think we probably all agree that maybe Grant Nelson might be the next guy that Dave Richmond goes, all right, here are the keys. Let's let, let's go do this. Let's see what happens. And, and then what, what's the development of everybody else look like behind him? I think, you know, you, you said a couple things. You know, Coach Richmond, no doubt, has earned everybody's trust, right? He, he And the other thing that Coach Peterson talked about that I think really applies to Coach Richmond is knowing what a good Summit League player looks like when they're 17 or 18 years old or when they're playing junior college, it's a very, very specific thing. And I think if you only watch Summit League basketball, it may not be as apparent to you, but if you watch... I mean, even big sky basketball or particularly Mountain West, like Coach Pearson talked about, it's like there's definitely these other conferences are definitely more um, athletic oriented than this conference. And this conference is you have to be very skilled to play in this conference. And you also have to have a, a great physical profile, but skill is second to none. And so to be able to go out and profile those players, it's difficult. It really is. It's not just the best player in the gym or the most athletic player in the gym. They may not fit in. But if you're Coach Richmond and you've been coaching at NDSU for this long, this is why consistency and continuity is so important. He knows what those players look like. And so if he does have to rebuild with a junior college player into the portal and stuff, he's able to do that a little bit better than most. Of course, you still have to bring the guys together and they have to find their roles. But profiling the right players I don't think is going to be a problem with NDSU. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I, I the names I, I hear of returning players that I see taking that next, next step, and I, we're not breaking any news here, but Andrew Morgan and Bowden Scunberg, two players that get a bigger role. And even Grant, nine shots a game last year, averaged close to 12 points a game. It's it's You'd think he's got to be closer to 15 by next year, somewhere in there. 
Oh, so, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's just bound to go up. And, and, you know, and, and Morgan did play a little bit last year, and he has kind of that old school back to the basket game. And you just sometimes when a pendulum swings, you know, it, it's everybody was kind of going the way of Grant Nelson, the 6'11 guy on the, on the perimeter and stuff like that. And Morgan's kind of a throwback. And I don't think that there's a whole lot of other players in the league like him. And let me tell you, when your offense is struggling, there's no better prescription than just being able to dump the ball in the post and go and get two points. Right. So he's incredibly important. That's what helps you get through three games in three days too, you know, to make it to the, to the NCAA tournament. So he's going to be a very important player. I expect him to start and be a, a real good player uh, from the first game this year. I agree with you. And, and I just go back to the end of last year when, when, when uh, Andrew Morgan came back from that injury, he looked, his body looked better. And, and, he, and he was much more of an impact when he came back. And then when I had a chance to go in and watch those kids work out, that kid looks really good. <laughs> that kid looks – he is he is in exceptional physical condition, and you talked about it. He's, he's a little bit of a throwback, loves to go down and mix it up in the paint. And, uh, and he was going to be a presence on both ends of the floor for NDSU. And, and I kind of thought the same thing about Skunberg. He changed his body a little bit, looks really good. And, uh, and and they're they're fitting into what what Dave's expectations are for these guys. So you know what NDSU is going to be right there in the mix again. That'll be my prediction. That's that's as specific as I'll get with my prediction for now. They're going to be right there in the mix, and, and they're going to certainly have an impact on on who ends up finding a way to get in the NCAA tournament. Well, our last team that we're going to preview today. With our last five or six minutes, we're trying to, we got 20 minutes for the interview with Coach Peterson, and we're, we're got about six minutes left, uh, is Western Illinois. And then we'll pick three new teams next week to, to go through. So Western Illinois returns a, a player that I think deserves mention up there with the Max Asmus and the, and the um, Grant Nelson of the world. Trent Masner, kind of a do-everything guard, um, second-team performer last year, all-defensive performer. Um, but after that, and Quinlan Bennett, who was injured all last year, who was with the team but didn't play, we're pretty much got an entirely new team. So I picked them to finish sixth because there were other teams with just as much question marks who don't have Trent Master on the team. But how far do you guys think Trent Master can carry? To and then I'll have a, an additional question after that. Well, he went on won a couple games last year. You know when he. I think they kind of figured out sort of down the stretch that they're sort of at their best when he was in full on attack mode. And it was kind of, he kind of had to ease himself into it because there were other good players there. And, you know, you got Will Carius and you got some of these other guys, but man, when he, when he just gets locked in and he's in full on attack mode and he's definitely much more of a, of a scoring guard than a point guard. He, he could win some games by himself. I mean, I, I don't want to say by himself, but, you know, I mean, he, he could have those 35-point games, and he's a game wrecker. So, you know, how much better will he make his teammates? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see what type of role he's in. We'll see what Coach Jeter has dialed him. But, but you're right. I'm not going to try to pretend like I know a lot about these transfers. You can read things. You can watch clips. You can do this or that, but you never really know how it's going to transfer into this program and so anybody trying to make any huge proclamations you know unless you're going to practice is i i, I would say i'd personally stay away from that um but coach jeter's done it before you know you talk about knowing what a good player in this conference looks like i think he does he's proven it a couple times so i you know he definitely deserves the benefit of the doubt but i i i can't offer much more than that well, I'll just jump in, and, and, and it all comes back to Masner as far as being the one known that we have with them. Um, a, a huge roster turnover. It just goes back and shows the value of the pre-conference season for Western Illinois and Coach Jeter and his staff, how well they can define some roles for people. But to, to your point on, on Masner, I agree with you. He, he is one of the more, more talented kids in the league. He's He's not – He's not John Conchar, but he's John Conchar-like as far as his versatility, his explosiveness, uh, his athleticism, his ability to to literally take over a game at times. And, and, and to be quite honest with you, on both ends of the floor, I think the biggest challenge for Masner will be, all right, 
how good at you, how, excuse me, how good are you at elevating the level of your teammates play? And that's going to be the big challenge for Coach Jeter and Masner because that's what the best players find a way to do. Not only make an impact on the game by, by the individual plays that they can make on both ends, but how good are you at elevating the level of play of the guys that you're playing with? And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. And my guess is Masner's the type of competitor that says, I got a coach. I'll show you what I can do. I'll show you, I'll show you how I can elevate the level of those guys that are playing around me because that's going to be the biggest key for a, a big roster turnover like Western Illinois had is not only does Coach Jeter have to find roles, Trent Masner has to find a way to, to, to help them excel in those roles. That's what the best players do. And if Masner wants to be a first-team all-league guy, he's going to find a way to do it. And it looks like, you know, we're talking, you know, South Dakota bringing in, I just think it's fascinating. You know, Coach Peterson, you know, Coach Crutchfield, all these guys, they're, they're coming from these Power Five conferences. So you think, okay, there's a guy or two that, that they can bring with them and, and, and get a bounce back. That's not necessarily the case with, with Coach Peterson, but it, there's a lot of freshmen. And I think that's kind of conference-wide. Except for Western Illinois, they they have dipped into some junior college players and some transfers, and I'm just always fascinated where Coach Jeter finds these guys. Because like we said in the interview when we were interviewing them last year, it's just like, who the heck is this guy? And then you watch him play, and you're like, oh yeah, he can play. How the heck did you find him? Like, or how did you know? And but he does. So, you know, that that's just a good job of using every resource and leaving no stone left unturned to put together a roster. That's what he does well, I believe. Yeah. I can't wait to watch him in the pre-conference to see how they develop. It's uh, it's exciting. We're not far away guys. We're not far away. No, we are not. I have one more Western Illinois question and then we'll wrap up for, for this week. So we had that great start to last year, the non-conference, they looked uh, like one of the better teams in the conference and then things just slowly, slowly, unraveled in my opinion and and to, to some extent you had Luka Barisic just firing up shots cuz and some of that with a few players on the team so there's huge roster t- turnover is that it's we are automatically think oh boy they lost all this production from last year but is that necessarily a bad thing when things just didn't seem to be clicking at the end of the year no it's not and, and the reason I say that is as a guy like uh, coach Jeter he will probably be one of the first ones to tell you, you know what, I learned more from last year than I did from a 20-plus win season at Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. He could, because I think the best coaches do that. They go, all right, what worked well for us? And you know what, when, when, we, when things weren't going well for us last season, what, what led to that? Was it personalities? Was, us, was it us as a staff not playing the right combinations? I have a feeling that if you talk to Coach Jeter, one-on-one, he'd probably say, I learned a ton last year, and I hope I can use it to help us be better this year. I, As a coach, you know, in my head coaching career, I, I, I did experience two losing seasons. I can tell you without hesitation, I learned more about my inadequacies as a coach and about what I needed to do better from the losing seasons than I ever did from a winning season or from a season that maybe was disappointing after starting out very positively. And I think that's what the best coaches do. And, and, and believe me, I'm not trying to put myself in there. I'm just speaking personally that sometimes turmoil, frustration can lead to uh, Coach Jeter and his staff finding a way to be a, to be better as a staff, you know, with, with the next challenge they're faced with. And, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Coach Jeter and his staff used the end of last year as great motivation, and not only great motivation, but a great learning tool for them to be better moving forward. Well, you kind of alluded to it, Todd, that something looked fishy down the stretch. And, you know, before you start pointing fingers or throwing out conspiracy theories or what, I, there was, there was something going on and you had two guys transferring Colton Sandage and Tamel Pearson, who are starters, who have played a lot of minutes and who made lateral moves. So something was up and, you know, sometimes it's just best for everybody to move on. You know, I mean, and this whole transfer portal, it gives people that opportunity. You know, you, you, if a situation isn't right, you can you can try to find a new one. And, and that that's okay. And everybody has the right to do that. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I think it, we'll see. We'll, we'll see who made the right decision. We'll see if they're better off or what the deal was. But um, we'll see. Right. 
Yeah, and just a couple of names to to pay attention to that that I've heard good things about there in Western Illinois from the from the newcomers, JJ Collican, and I apologize if I pronounced his last name wrong. We'll know that as soon as the first game happens, um, or after we interview Co- Coach Jeter. Um, kind of a do everything guard forward type guy that will do a lot of things. And Alec Rossner, who came from Winona State, is is they're they're counting on as a big time shooter coming in from the division two level. So just a couple names to pay attention to as the season gets closer. Um, but yeah, I, that's our team previews for this week and our first episode of the, of the new season. And I, th- I think we did. Okay. I think we made it through it. Um, anything else to add before we wrap up gentlemen? You know, what? I'll just say, I'm looking forward to working with you two again. Um, and you guys carry me. I, I, I love this <laughs> and I love being part of it. Um, and, uh, and Todd, what you do for the league and, and uh, allow Zach and I be, to be a part of this podcast is it's fantastic. I love it. And there's nothing I'd rather do this time of year than, than uh, talk college basketball or any time of year for that matter. But um, everybody's excited about what's coming up. So I'm looking forward to working with both you guys this year. Awesome. Yep. D- definitely want to thank you, too, uh, for all the work that you guys put in. It's I think the podcast is starting to become uh, what we thought it could become and that it's just this platform for the conference, you know, Todd gets DMS and, you know, gets told certain things and whatnot. And I think people are learning, they can kind of trust us and reach out to us and things like that. And they also realize that, Hey, this is not like necessarily us, you know, nobody's trying to make a name for themselves. Right. It's just about having some type of platform to sort of organize all this information. And so anything that you guys can do in terms of, um, you know, liking and subscribing the podcast and retweeting it and pushing it out uh, only gives the platform more credence and the more resources we have and the more reach we have, the better it's going to be. So uh, if you guys want better coverage, please help uh, and and push it. And like I said, like, and subscribe and, and push it out there. Awesome. Well, we'll wrap up for this week, and I appreciate the kind words, Greg and, and Zach. Um, it's a pleasure to do this every year with you guys, and I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So we will see everybody again next week. And like Zach said, like, subscribe, do all that stuff, let people know. And uh, we're just really excited for another year of Summer League Basketball. Take care.